0: Being a founder and and starting your own business, it's like a muscle and a skill that you need to learn. Back then in 2018, I had really no idea what I was doing. In 2019, I probably still had no real (laughs) idea. And then in 2020, this thing scaled to like 5k by the end of the year and I was like okay damn now it's going to work out.
1: Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites the podcast where I bring you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Dominic Mon who's the founder of Mental Cruise a marketplace that connects mentors and mentees in tech which is currently doing 15k in monthly revenue with over 1 million dollars processed through the platform. Previously Dom was a machine learning engineer at Doist, a job that he's just left to pursue Mental Cruise full time. In this episode we talk about why Dom decided to leave his job, how he pushed through Without a paying customer for three months and how he's leveraged programmatic seo effectively for mental crews now seo has been such a pivotal part of dom's growth which is why hrefs is the perfect sponsor for this episode for you to replicate some of that advice you hear You know what, this time I'm going to let our guest explain what SEO is and why you should try it out.
0: I think SEO in itself is the art and science of placing yourself well on on search engines like Google. And it's a, a great way especially also for indie hackers and for bootstrap startups to get some traffic because obviously it's free.
1: So indie hackers, if you want to get more traffic to your side project, give Ahrefs a go. You'll see what keywords your pages are ranking for and discover what changes you need to make to improve your search ranking. Head to ahrefs.com, that's A-H-R-E-F-S.com or hit the link in the show notes. I love Ahrefs. Dom, how are you doing? Welcome to the pod. Yeah, doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Pleasure to have you. People might have heard you on the Indie Hackers podcast a few years ago when you were still working your full-time job. You were trying to grow Mental Cruise. You'd already got some revenue with it, but you're at a very different place now. Talk me through your decision to
0: leave your full-time job. I think back when I was on the Indie Hackers podcast, I'm not sure when it was exactly, but I think I was actually in a different job than Duest. And it was a very busy one, startup job like San Francisco, worked long hours. And even back then, like I realized that this wasn't so sustainable. Trying to make Mentor Cruise happen into something, so I changed over to Duest at some point. One because I, I like the founders and we had been in touch before, but also because I knew that I would be able to to work on Mentor Cruise a little bit more. I switched over to Duest in like March or April 2020, like starting of of COVID, and that's also. Coincidentally, when Mantra Cruise really took off, went from 500 to 2 or 3k in a couple of months. And that was also the time when I realized, okay, this is actually, you know, it's not just a lifestyle thing or or like a little side income thing. I might actually be able to go full time on this at some point. So the seat was there. I was there for two years. And then now I thought it was a good time to make the jump and, and try this thing full time. Yeah, nice. So have you actually left your job now? Yeah. And, and uh, basically I tweeted on Friday, I think on Monday, I was full time on, on Metro Cruise.
1: A lot of founders think that If they leave their job and go full time, that will equate to growth equivalent to the amount of extra time they have. Or they'll say, I can't do these things until I leave my job. And then when I leave, I can do them. So how has it been for you? And what is your approach to
0: how much you can achieve now you're working on Mentor Cruise full time? Going full time on Mentor Cruise has been a super big change. Like we had a good month in March, but I don't know whether it's coincidental or whether it's actually me going full time, but we had a good month. The bigger change that I actually feel is just kind of the sense of freedom and creativity that comes Mm -hmm. back. If you have it as a side project, you know, you work your eight hour days and then you're supposed to like have some creativity and energy left (laughs) to work on Mantra Cruise. And I had that definitely, like I was working on Mantra Cruise every day, but it was just like so much of your brain juice is already drained that it's just very hard to focus on it. And there's just more things you can do in parallel. I, I do marketing, I do engineering quite a bit yeah. as well. Like we were able to ship quite a few exciting things. Yeah, I didn't hold off from doing anything. Like I started a podcast while I was actually still working at newest at yeah. and I was taking on these new initiatives, but there's more energy there and more time to maybe do things in parallel and just yeah have a bit more energy and time for everything. What does your day look like now then? I'm still doing coding and marketing days. Um, So today was a coding day. So I have a list of bugs and stuff that I need to get through. We have a couple of projects that I'm working on. Yeah, no day is quite the same. I'm trying to get like some sort of structure into it, but it's still very free flowing and I'm I'm trying to find a good structure.
1: Yeah, I certainly found for myself how much I've loved the freedom of being full-time on my own projects, of choosing when... I shouldn't work, being able to work into the evenings and spending time during the day doing the stuff that I want to do which don't result in work, golf, tennis, going for a walk in the middle of the day, all of these things I really enjoy and I quite enjoy working on weekends and taking days off during the week. And that freedom, I just, it's difficult to have in a job. What else, what do you do
0: outside of work? What are like your hobbies? Yeah, I I do a lot of things, but I enjoy like video games. I'm a big like racing fan. I watch a lot of Formula One and try to follow that sport. A little (laughs) bit of football here and there. Spending a lot of time on on YouTube and Netflix too, just like stupid entertainment. I feel like the founder job drains so much energy, like it's so busy and, and you need to um, do so many things at the same time that I just enjoy like watching some stupid Netflix thing in the evening to reload yeah. on on energy. Isn't it strange that you feel
1: even a little bit guilty saying that, that in your spare time you don't do productive hobbies, you go and do stuff that's just, just mindless. I do the same. I, I love in the evenings watching some crappy Netflix shows or YouTube just to switch my brain off because as a founder, you've got so many of these hats that you're wearing. It's intense. You're fighting fires, you're solving problems, you're building stuff, you're having conversations. It's nice just to switch off. Let's talk a little bit about Mentor Cruise. Your first introduction to mentorship was when you did an online course with Udacity where you supported by a mentor. How did this sort of shape your approach to mentorship
0: yeah, the mentor at Udacity was like the unique selling point for me, for sure. Those nanodegrees that they have, I'm not sure whether they're still called that, but they were called that a couple of years ago. They were expensive. They were like $400 per month or something like that. And the content was fine. But what I really liked was like the human aspect of it. And you had the mentor, which you were able to chat with at any time. And also all the projects and stuff that you did was human graded. So you would actually get like a human giving you feedback on your work. The, the difficult mm. part for me was I was actually doing this f- to change my careers from software engineering into machine learning. And the problem for me was those mentors were there for learning. Uh, as soon as I was finished with that course, they were gone basically. So I was looking for a job at the most crucial stage of the experience when that mentor was gone. And that's when I thought there should be something that's like independent from your learning experience, that I just really want a mentor who's able to follow along with this and not with any course that I'm doing from like me deciding I want to become a machine learning engineer up until actually me signing the offer I want that mentor there and maybe even beyond.
1: And it took you five months to build the Mental Cruise MVP. Looking back on that, do you wish you got validation first or are you happy with the time you spent on that? What would your advice be to uh, pass on?
0: Oh yeah, I wish I knew back then what I know now. That's that was stupid. But I came from the viewpoint of a software engineer. That was like the only viable skill that I had. I knew that I could build this platform. I wasn't really sure whether I could anything uh, could do anything else. So I was building this thing and like nights and weekends on my commute, I was building just stuff that really nobody used. And I'm skeptical how far I would have come with just pure validation because obviously it also took me like three months to get a paying customer. And I think if I was working on like a validation for a month or two, I would probably get discouraged and throw the the whole thing away. I could have done so much less, gone out with an MVP platform in a month or two and probably had the same success or even more. You say take you three months to get that first customer.
1: Mental Cruise is a marketplace, it's two-sided. Did you launch it with just mentors? Like how many did you have on there? And then did it take three months from when you launched it and you have mentors on the platform to get that first paying customer?
0: While I was building it, actually, I was just doing cold outreach to mentors. And in the end, I probably typed out more than like 500 DMs and emails. And I had 90 or 100 people that said, yeah, I like that. That's a good idea. And then once I launched it, eight or 10 actually followed up uh, from that promise. So I had eight mentors on there as I launched. And, you know, I was... Young and stupid. I put it on uh, Product Hunt. I put it on Hacker News. I put it on Reddit. And I got some traffic. That was fine. Nothing sustainable. I th- don't think I got a paying customer through that. What in the end happened is I had a couple of mentors on there, which were like well known faces in the industry. I think the first customer was a follower of someone. They've seen him like being on the platform, on Twitter, and so on. And that's how we got like the first seven dollars in mrr or something like that was there an an inflection point for you when you thought this is gonna work because i'm guessing
1: it may have even been a bit disheartening those first few months and like you're getting six or seven dollars and you're getting some validation but was it growing as quick as you wanted and then when was that inflection point when you thought yeah this is cool this is gonna this is gonna work
0: out yeah it was disheartening for a long while and really hard to keep working on it because yeah it started with with six dollars it fair enough it like very quickly rose to two three hundred but then it was really hard to scale beyond that it took until march 2020 when I thought, oh, damn, this is going to work. Like we started 2019 with 200 or 250 and we ended 2019 with 500, which fair enough, like I doubled the, the MRR, but it's nothing to write home about. And then this thing scaled to like 5K by the end of the year. And I was like, OK, damn, now it's going to work out.
1: So what what changed then? What did you do in those few months to grow it? And also now you're at... 15k MRR like you you just hit a milestone of a million dollars in GMV which is amazing congrats Dom that must be a good feeling so I'm guessing growth is now
0: something that you've put a lot of time into growth and marketing I mean I attribute that growth spurt a little bit to like resilience and not giving up because in truth it was more of being at the right place at the right time. I've been building this platform out for two years at that point. And then I think somewhere around that time, might've been January, I kind of relaunched the pricing. Then I had two big personalities of our startup space joining, which is uh, Rosie Sherry, who was at Mm -hmm. the Hackers at the time, and then Arvid Kahl, So that gave another influx of people as well. And then definitely COVID. I hear it from a lot of the users that we have today that they were laid off or they had to work from home. They decided to take up a side hustle, sort of became mentors, or they were laid off and needed like a new job or wanted to go into tech, which at the time was still growing. So that, that March 2020 inflection point was everything coming together at the right time.
1: I think that resilience point of view is often overlooked. The compounding, the consistency, the showing up, the working on it. You had a full-time job, yet you still kept chipping away.
0: I also think what's maybe often overlooked is that being a founder and and starting your own business, it's like a muscle and a skill that you need to learn uh, the same way that I had to do it as a coder. I wasn't a good coder in my first year. I wasn't a great coder in my second year either, but maybe by the third one I was all right. And I think it was the same thing with starting a startup. Just... Back then in 2018, I had really no idea what I was doing. In 2019, I probably still had no real idea. And then in 2020, maybe I got the ropes of it. And, and nowadays it feels way different building Mandra Cruise.
1: A uh, final question I want to ask you. I saw you were recently featured in Trends.vc about programmatic SEO. Now, that seems like a scary term to me, Dom. Programmatic <laughs> SEO. What does it mean?
0: How do you do it? And how can others reap the rewards? <laughs> yeah, I mean, programmatic SEO... It probably sounds more scary than it is. I think SEO in itself is the art and science of placing yourself well on, on search engines like Google. and It's a, a great way, especially also for indie hackers and for bootstrap startups to to get some traffic because obviously it's free and you don't need to hit the same keywords like your big competitors. If, if you hit a keyword that 100 or 200 people search for per month. A big company is never going to look at that, but you as a small company are able to pick these up one at a time and you're able to generate quite a bit of traffic through that. The programmatic SEO way is just a way to, to automate that. So the I would mm. say the traditional path is creating landing pages, writing copy and blog posts and so on that are able to rank on Google essentially. With programmatic SEO, what you're looking for is a pattern that you can rank for. And for us, for example, that was finding mentors for specific skills. So not a lot of people on this world search for find a Python mentor, for example, or find (laughs) a JavaScript mentor or whatever. There might be like 50 or 100 people on the whole world that Google that (laughs) every month. And what we did in the end was just create those landing pages automatically. So when someone signs up and they say, I know JavaScript and React, that would generate a landing page that would say, if you're looking for a JavaScript mentor, we have them one page gets 50 or 100 views but we do have 300 of those pages so that's already like 1500 people coming in just from those those like small keywords alone
1: and high intent i'm guessing
0: yeah and high intent like people want to have a javascript mentor and you're the only one on this market offering them exactly that it's going to be incredibly high intent dom i end
1: every episode on three recommendations a book a podcast an indie hacker or entrepreneur that you're
0: inspired by Book, one I love, and maybe that's not something always pointed out, is Built to Sell. Podcast, the only one I really follow is My First Million. And Indie Hackers, oh man, it would be so unfair to to point out one single person. If you're looking for like underrated people to follow, obviously I'm going to shout out uh, Julian Candless. He runs a marketing agency where in one or two years he went from nothing to 400k in ARR no funding no employees just him alone in a small Mm -hmm. flat in Malta which is insane well Dom thank you so much for coming on appreciate you being here yeah appreciate you having me
1: thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Buys all links to everything discussed will be in the show notes as always if you want to learn more about SEO then check out stay sponsor Ahrefs and if you want to hear more from me and my journey I have another weekly podcast called No More Mondays which you'll find in all podcast players all links are in the show notes and I'll see you next week